Welcome to the weekend message from Mariner's Church in Huntington Beach, California. Whether you are listening across the street or across the globe, we hope you'll find encouragement for your daily life through this podcast. All right. Well, let me just ask this question. How many of you are Starbucks fans? Starbucks are big? Okay. Well, in this, I have an untouched latte. How many of you would like this untouched latte? Okay. All right. All right. I see your hand. All right. So before I give this, it just reminds me of a story I just wanted to say real quick. I was raised in Laguna Beach. I told you that last week. And I was on the football team. And I was a fighting artist. That was our nickname. We were the artists. And during Hell Week, the cheerleaders would come into our locker room and give us refreshments. And one day, they put out uh, apple juice and cookies. And so after the practice was over, the coach dismissed us. We all came storming in. There was one guy named Ron on our team. He was like the most outgoing guy. He was sort of the coach's pet, you know, always ran the sprints the fastest, always answered the question, a little obnoxious. He, of course, was the first one in. What Ron didn't know and what we didn't know is that a guy who had gotten cut from the team had gotten into the locker room, and he thought it would be sort of interesting to take the apple juice out of one of the cups and fill it with something that looks a lot like apple juice. And so Ron, Ron was the first one in, and he grabbed the cup that was sort of the one that was sticking out a little bit, and he said right before he drank it, you know, it felt a little warm. And he took a huge gulp out of that cup. And so I just wanted to share that before I gave this to you. <laughs> Do you still want it? It looks, it is, it is empty, and I won't give you this cup, but I'll give you a Starbucks gift certificate, yeah. All right, that is me, we're cracking. Let me help you out. All right, better? All right, we like that. All right, so here's what we're going to do is today we're going to teach some principles of the cup, okay? We're going to learn lessons from a cup. You didn't think you could learn from a cup. We're going to spend the whole day looking at a cup. And it's set up really by something that Jesus did. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 12, or actually Luke 11. Go back to Luke 11, Luke chapter 11. Uh, Bring your Bibles. They are great. They really help you to do this. You'll notice I don't bring my Bible up here, but I mentioned last week the reason is because I can't see my Bible. Uh, I could put on glasses, then I couldn't see you. So I've got my Bible in my notes, but bring your Bible because it's great. You guys can sort of track along, writing your Bibles, all that kind of stuff. And so here's what happens. And this is sort of going to set up what we did last week. If you weren't here last week, this will sort of bridge the gap a little bit. But Jesus basically is invited over to a Pharisee's house. We talked about Pharisees last week. They sort of were experts in the religious law. And uh, a little kind of interesting thing happens. So let's read it together. It's in uh, Luke chapter 11. And read it with me. It says, man, you can read it from like 12 screens in here. This is amazing. Okay, I'm going to read this screen. Here we go. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and took his place at the table. 
His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. And so here's the setup. And just so you know, just so you know that the Pharisee is not totally out to lunch, it would have been just common courtesy for Jesus to walk into this guy's house and to do the hand-washing ceremony. Uh, maybe kind of similar to you washing your hands if you were to come to somebody's house. It was, it was a little beyond that. But it was common courtesy to do that. And it was part of the law. It was part of what they had set up as being really important. And so when Jesus didn't do it, he knew, he knew that the guy would notice that. He knew the guy would be stunned or amazed by the fact that he didn't do it. So Jesus snubs his host intentionally because he wants to make a point. And the point that he wants to make is the point we made last week, which is you are so concerned with the outside of things that you have neglected the inside of things. And this is a huge problem in religion is that religion tends to make us think about the outside and not focus so much on the inside. And this was one of the reasons that Jesus hated religion. This was one of the reasons he said, religion gets people way off track because you focus on the outside. You think that if you make the outside look really good, everything is cool with you and God and everybody else. And the reality is God's concerned about the inside. And we talked about that last week, and we talked about when you focus only on the external, that you're in danger of missing God altogether, because God relates to us internally, not externally. He relates to us internally. So we talked about that last week, and we talked about the, outs- the, I- the idea that you can have uh, your outside of the cup look really good, everybody's really impressed with the outside, and have the inside full of stuff that is not so great at all. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of build on that because there's another problem that comes up that sort of falls out of that basic principle that we want to talk about today. And this problem doesn't have to do with that we focus only on the outside and not on the inside. But here's the reality. Even when we focus on the inside, there tends to be a problem that the outside and the inside don't match that they don't look exactly the same. And I want to make this point because in church, what you're probably going to expect is I'm going to say, and so let's get after it, gang. Let's make sure that the inside and the outside match perfectly. And I just want to, you know, and, and then what happens is everybody switches into a gear of saying, oh yeah, that's church talk. Impossible to actually do. But as long as I'm sitting in here, I can agree with it. Of course, during my week, when I'm like living my life, when it really matters, there's no way. There's no way I can make the outside and the inside perfectly match. And so I want to start off by saying, you are going to have a problem with the inside and the outside. And that's the first lesson that we get from the cup, is the inside never matches the outside. We never do it. And if you're thinking, well, if I'm just a strong enough Christian, if I'm just a good enough believer... I'll be able to get those things in perfect harmony. Uh, Let's talk about the Apostle Paul for a second. You guys are familiar with Paul. Paul's kind of a big shot. Paul did things like he wrote most of the New Testament. Paul was the guy who spread Christianity around to the known world at the time. He was the one that actually went in, and he taught churches how to be churches. 
He taught Christians how to be Christians. And so if anybody outside of Jesus, Jesus was able, by the way, to do it. But outside of Jesus, if, if there's anyone that could pull this off, you would think, well, Paul probably could pull this off. Paul probably had an inside and an outside that were very, very close to each other. So let's just read something that Paul wrote. He was not talking about cups exactly, but I think you'll get the idea here. It's in Romans chapter 7, and this is Paul writing. And uh, in fact, it's sort of interesting the way he starts. He says, I have discovered this principle of life. In other words, what he's going to start off by saying is, this isn't even really something that's just for me. This is just like a principle of life. This is just how life works. And he's talking to Christians here. He's talking to Christ followers, people that are committed to being, you know, as much like Jesus as they can. And let's go ahead and read what he says. I've discovered this principle of life. Let's read from there. Together it says that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, so here's what Paul is basically saying. He's saying, I've got this cup. And he said, there are certain things that I believe. There are certain things that I teach. There are certain things that I tell other people they should do. And here's the problem. I don't always do them. Even the things I'm really committed to doing, I don't always do them. Sometimes I really, really want to do what's right, and instead I do what's wrong. Sometimes I really, really don't want to do what's wrong, and I do it anyway. Now, let me just ask, in all honesty, how many of you can relate to that problem? All right, and the rest of you, you've got a big problem. <laughs> You're not being honest, because we all relate to that. That is the plight of human existence. It's a principle of life. It's the way that life works. Even people that are very committed and very authentic and very sincere and truly want to please God find that there's a gap between what we say we want to do, what we think we should do, what we tell other people they should do, and what we do. And I do it as well. And in fact, I was thinking, you know, what, what of the myriad examples could I give you of how I do this? And I'll just give you a really clear one. I'm going to give you an application at the end of the day today that I have not done. And I'm going to say it as strongly, as forcefully, you know, with as much you know, convincing as I can, and the reality is I've not yet done it myself. We all have the problem of the inside not matching the outside. And there's a word for this, and the word is called hypocrisy. That's what that word is. That's what hypocrisy means. Hypocrisy means that the outside of the cup and the inside of the cup don't match. Now, some of you might know the word hypocrite actually was an old term that came out of acting, and it meant to become an actor. And of course, actors always do that. Actors always put on sort of a face that isn't truly who they are. And that, you know, was called hypocrisy back in some day, and we've just carried that down. So anytime you're acting, anytime you're pretending to be somebody that you're not really, anytime that you're trying to convince people that the inside of your cup is different than it truly is, that's called hypocrisy. 
when you're trying to make the outside look better than the inside. That's called hypocrisy. And Jesus had some very, very strong words to say about hypocrisy. So, but here's the first lesson. The first lesson of the cup, and this is, this is a bummer. We're all hypocrites. And it's not going to be solved at the end of today. You're, you walked in a hypocrite, and you're going to walk out a hypocrite. But we're going, to, we're going to find out what Jesus has to say about that. What do we do with the fact that our inside do, doesn't match our outside? Okay, now turn over to Luke chapter 12 then, because Luke 11, Jesus sort of sets up this problem by talking to the Pharisees. And then in Luke chapter 12, he's going to define the problem and give us what he would say is our solution, is the way that we should move on this, okay? So, uh, in Luke chapter 12, verse 1, uh, he begins by saying this. He says, meanwhile, and meanwhile is kind of an important uh, transitional word here. It means that after he had spent time with his Pharisee at his house, meanwhile, right around the same time, he's starting to talk. And there's all these people are there. The, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other. I think that's such a funny way for, for Luke to tell us the story. There were so many people. People were like stepping on each other. So it was very crowded, and Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. So Jesus is going to sort of rail against hypocrisy. And let me just point out something here. He says, beware. The reason he tells his disciples to be careful is because it's not only the big religious leaders that have this problem. Jesus is going to say, you've all got this problem. Beware, because you can fall into the same problem that the Pharisees have. This is a problem for all of us. Uh, in hypocrisy, here's, uh, and Kenton kind of pointed this out. This was a cool thing. Kenton said, you know, in any time that you have hypocrisy, you have three things. You have an actor, and then you have a script, the script that the actor uses, and then you have an audience. And when Jesus was talking about the religious leaders, they had all three of those things. And in fact, don't turn there, but in Matthew 6, he talks about these things. He says that the Pharisees, um, they were the actors, and they had a script. There were three things back in that day that were really important for religious people to do. If you were religious, you did these things. This was your script. The first one is that you gave alms. You gave money to the poor. You were an alms giver. So that was one of the signs. Uh, another part of the script was that you prayed. And then the third part of the script was that you fasted. So those were the three things. If you were really religious, if you wanted the outside to look right, those are the three uh, practices that you'd engage in. You would give alms, you would pray, you would fast. Now let me just ask you this question. Is that good or is that bad? What do you think? Are those good things or bad things? Those are good things. So there's nothing wrong with the script, right? Nothing wrong with that script. That script is a fine script to play out. So here's what we're going to do. You guys all were given a cup, right? Didn't have anything in it. No Starbucks, nothing like that. Nothing else that looks like apple juice. There's nothing in this cup, okay? All right. Take your pencil, and here's what we're going to do. Let's talk about the script that we as people who... Go to church. We, many of us are Christ followers. Uh, what is the script that we have? What are the things that when people think of good church-going people or good Christians or good Christ followers, what is our script? What are the things that we do? What, what do we see? What? Loving. Write that down. Loving. 
What else? What are the other things that good Christians do? Trustworthy? Okay. What kinds of things do we do? Those are kind of attributes. What are the things that we do? We pray. Write these things down. Go to church. Tithe. I think I heard serve. What? I was... Yeah? We do what in the parking lot? Yes. All right. So write that down. We're polite in the parking lot. Okay. Only the church parking lot. That's important to get down. That's right. Otherwise, people don't know. Okay. That's good. Unless you have a Christian fish, which I strongly recommend you never put on your car. Okay. So parking lot. Okay. So you're, you're cool in the parking lot. Okay. So you've got a script. Now, let me just ask this question. Is this a good script or a bad script? This is good. There's nothing wrong with that script. That's a really good thing for us to be. So the problem is not in the script. The problem wasn't in the script in Matthew 6. When Jesus says, you do three things, you give alms to the poor, that's a great thing to do. You pray, obviously wonderful. Fasting is a good thing to do. That's not the problem. The problem isn't the script. The problem is the audience. So listen, this is what Jesus said. When you give to the poor, you sound trumpets. When you pray, you go out into the busiest part of town so that people can see you. When you fast, you don't shave, you get all sort of mopey, you you look like death warmed over so that everyone will know that you're fasting. And so who is the audience that the Pharisees are trying to please? Who do you think? Each other. They're trying to please other people. Their audience is the world. All the world's a stage. We are going to prove to people how godly we truly are. These things are going to be modeled in such a way that other people can see it. The audience is everyone else. And now we start to understand. Jesus says, now, there's a problem. There's a problem right there. That your audience, you think, is other people. So it's not enough of what's going on inside, because nobody can see the inside. You've got to sort of bring it out so that everybody can see it on the outside. And in fact, then the problem becomes, you're not even concerned about the inside, because who cares? Who's looking on the inside? No, nobody that I care about. It's just about making it look good on the outside. And so Jesus uses this term. He says, it's like yeast. And how many of you have ever baked or cooked with yeast? Okay, how many of you have ever eaten a piece of bread that had yeast in it? Okay, some of you just won't play, right? You're just like, I don't raise my hand. I'm not going to raise my hand. Don't try to make me raise. All right, but we all know what yeast is. And when the Bible talks about yeast, usually it's negative. And yeast has to do with it starts really small and it's hidden. Nobody can see it. And then as it grows, it becomes very significant. And, uh, and finally, the other part about yeast usually is it's bad. So it starts small, nobody notices it. It grows and it grows and it grows and it becomes significant. And when it becomes significant, it's really a bad thing. All of a sudden, now it's damaging you. Now it's hurting you. Now there's problems with it. And so Jesus says, that's what hypocrisy is like. It starts really small. You don't even know that it's there. But it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. And as it grows, it becomes more and more damaging. And in the end, it can be totally your undoing. That's basically what he's saying about hypocrisy. He's saying, of course, there's a gap. There's a gap between what's on the outside and what's on the inside. There is a gap. There's a gap that we all have. But here's what Jesus is saying. 
Don't let the gap grow. That gap can kill you. That gap, gap can totally undo you. Um, I'm from Columbia, South Carolina, and so are these two. They traveled all the way here, Trevor and Jenna, just so that they could be here today. Are they awesome? From South Carolina. And there is a dam in South Carolina, Lake Murray Dam. It is one of the largest dams. When it was made, it was one of the largest dams in the United States. And a few years ago, they saw that there was a leak in the dam. And I'm sure that there were some people, probably some politicians, that said, well, let's just fix that leak. We don't want that leak to get any bigger. And the engineers came in and said, you can't do that. You can't just fix that leak. Because if you just go in to fix that leak, that leak's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And pretty soon, your whole dam is going to break, and all of Columbia is going to be washed out. So what they said is, that's not what we can do. Here's what we need to do. We need to come in and build another dam. And they did. They spent millions and millions and millions of dollars, and they built a whole other dam right behind the dam that was already there. And here's what the engineers realized. If we don't fix that gap, if we let that gap just go, just hoping for the best, we are in huge trouble. So they spent millions of dollars and took years and years to make sure that the gap didn't grow, the gap didn't become a problem. And that's what Jesus is saying here. That's how strong he's saying. He's saying, beware. It's like yeast. If it grows and grows and grows, it'll become more of a problem. How many of you have been watching in the news that there's a pastor in Atlanta right now that's in a little bit of trouble? Any of you notice the pastor in Atlanta that's in trouble? I love that it's a pastor. It always is a pastor. Well, let me just tell you. Here's what happened. Uh, if this is true, what is being said, uh, I'm just telling you that where that started for him was a little problem in his mind, right? That's where it started. Whenever it started, way back when, there was a little perversion in his mind about what he thought would be thrilling or exciting or a good thing to do. If you don't know about this, you'll have to go online. I'm not going to explain it, but there's a guy who's in a lot of trouble now. Well, the thing is, that was never fixed, never addressed. That gap was never identified. He never took the gap seriously. He always probably thought, it's not that big of a deal. Really. I mean, it's hidden. It's not that big of a deal. But that gap grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. Pretty soon, his mind was totally consumed with it. Pretty soon, he started acting out on it. Pretty soon, he started doing things that he never would have expected that he would do. Now it's a huge cover-up. So for years and years and years, he tries to cover up this problem, this thing that he's done. He tries to buy off the people so they won't say anything. He tries to do everything he can. And then all of a sudden, the dam bursts. And his whole life, I mean, his whole ministry life is ruined because he didn't understand. It's like yeast. You let that gap go, and that gap eventually kills you. And that's why Jesus is so insistent about hypocrisy. It's not saying that you, you, I'm trying to make you never be a hypocrite or have any gap. There is a gap. But you must address the gap. You can't let that gap go is basically what he's saying here. And so we've got a script that's on the outside, and there's a gap. And so let's just ask this question, and we don't have to be super specific on this if you don't want, because it's a little uh, threatening when you're with a group of people that you don't know very well. But what are some of the things that we have on the inside? If, if this is how we want to look on the outside, and, and these good things are there, what do we know about ourselves on the inside? What are some of the things that we have on the inside? And you're going to take your pencil and just 
jot these down, okay? So I'll start us off. We have brokenness, right? We're kind of broken on the inside if we're honest about that, so I'd say brokenness. All right, and I know these don't write well, so just do the best you can. In, in a way, it's kind of a cool thing because on the inside, it's covered with wax, so it like disappears as soon as you write it. I wish that was true in real life. Okay. All right, what other things do we have that we could write on the inside? Pride. Pride. Okay, that's a good one and safe one to say in church, pride. Because that, yeah, but that's good. We got it ball rolling. What other things do we know is on the inside? Fear. Jealousy. Ooh, jealousy. Greed. Nice. What else? Envy. Judgment. All right, judgment, good. Are you guys getting these down? Just look inside. You'll be able to figure it out. All right. Uh, lust. Anyway, lust. Somebody, last night we were at the service. We were doing this. Somebody screamed out, adultery. And it was like, whoa, okay, adultery. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of exciting. All right, so anyway, we've got these things, and we know that they don't match. There is a gap, so what are you going to do with the gap? Now, here's what Jesus is going to do. He's going to give us some principles on how to deal with the gap, further lessons from the cup. Uh, here's the first thing that he's going to say. He's going to say in uh, uh, verse 2, let's bring this up. Is he says this, uh, The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. Uh, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Now, this is actually quotes from the Old Testament. This was something that prophets said often, but it's just giving a principle that we kind of all know is true. Whatever in your, is in your cup, if it stays in long enough, it's going to spill out. We wish that it wouldn't. We hope that it wouldn't. Sometimes we believe that it won't. But the reality is, it's going to spill out. At some point, if there's enough stuff in your cup, it's going to come out. Uh, one thing that's true, I heard this axiom a long time ago, people always know more than you think they know. They know more about you than you think they know. You think you've done a great job covering up, then down the line you find out, oh, they all knew. They all knew. I didn't know that they knew, but they knew. Uh, the other thing is, things come out lots of times in an awkward way. I won't have you raise hands, but probably it's happened to us all. Something that was inside our cup came out and it was awkward or scandalous or embarrassing or it shamed us when it came out. I've had that experience and all of a sudden you feel like your whole life is flashed before you. Oh, I can't believe that just came out. Oh, that is so bad. And as much as we want to cover it up, we're not able to. I mean, we've seen presidents of the United States and it all spilled out. And listen, if a president can't keep it covered up, I'm just telling you, we can't keep it covered up. If with everything he has at his disposal, he can't keep it covered up, we can't keep it covered up either. It comes out. And what Jesus would finally say is, even if you do a good job in this lifetime, even if you can make it through, there will come a day in the future called the final judgment where it all spills out, where it all comes out. So here's the first point he's going to make. He's saying, all this work that you're doing to try and conceal what's on the inside, it's not going to work anyway. It's going to come out. It may have already come out more than you know. It's going to come out. So you better deal with the reality that what is ever, whatever is on the inside of your cup is coming out. And that's the first thing to understand. The inside of your cup is going to spill. And that's what Jesus is going to say. This is going to help you to get this problem under control. Don't ever think that it's secret forever. It's not secret forever. Okay, so that's the first thing. There are no secrets, ultimately. And that's a good thing to know. 
So all that energy you're putting into keeping this thing concealed, it's not going to stay concealed. That's the first thing Jesus is going to say. You want to deal with hypocrisy? It's going to come out. Uh, here's the second thing that he says when we read on. Uh, in verse 4, it says these, this. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. But I tell you whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. Now, this is kind of a weird thing because you'd say, man, I thought Jesus was all about love and about a heavenly father and all that. And he's like pitting this thing of you might be afraid of people because they could like kill your body. But boy, you should really be afraid of the one who will throw you in hell. So what is Jesus doing here? Why is Jesus saying this? Well, of course, he has such incredible insight. Here's his insight. We are hypocrites because we're afraid. We're afraid that people will see the inside. And so we cover it up because we're afraid of what they'll do to us. And isn't that right? So we try to make ourselves look a little better than we really are because we're afraid somebody might reject us. Or we try to hide something that's kind of ugly on the inside because we're afraid somebody would like walk away from us. And so we're sort of governed by fear. Hypocrisy is driven by fear. So Jesus cuts right to the quick. He goes, okay, so you're afraid. How foolish to think that being afraid of people is the greatest fear you should have. Because in the end, people can't really do that much to you, at least compared to what God can do. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you're going to be driven by fear, then fear God, because ultimately what God thinks or sees is way more important than what other people think. Now, God's the problem here. And so here's what Jesus is going to say. He said, you know, you're walking around with a cover on your cup. The reality is there's no cover on your cup. God looks into your cup all the time. Every single thing you think that you can hide, you don't hide from God. There is no cover. Not this way, anyway. God is seeing it all. So live in the reality. The reality is God sees it all. Now, here's the second thing that is important, because he doesn't want to leave us with saying, oh my gosh, we should just be terrified of God, because he looks into our cup, and man, if he wants to throw us into hell for what's in our cup, we're in huge trouble. But Jesus goes on, because he doesn't want to leave us there, so he tells us a little bit about the nature of the Father uh, in the next verse that he says. And so he brings up the next thing, and he says, What is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them, and the very hairs on your head are uh, are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. So Jesus is saying this. Don't be afraid of other people. They're not the ones to fear. If you're going to fear, you should fear God. But you don't need to be afraid of God because God values you. He loves you. He looks inside of your cup, and he sees all of the stuff in there, and he says... And I still love you. You are still incredibly valuable to me. Uh, You know, I love Julie a lot, but I have never counted the hairs on her head. Now, she says she loves me more because she has counted the hairs on my head. (laughs) But I don't think they're equal. I'm just saying. I don't think it's equal. All right? And that's the point God is saying, listen, you're so, I hold sparrows as valuable in a society where they weren't. I hold you so valuable, I count the hairs on your head. You're safe with me. 
Just don't pretend that you're covering up from me because you're not. You're not covering up. There's a verse, 1 John 1, 9, maybe you've heard it. It was one of the Bible verses I memorized when I was younger. And it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. Now, that's not really a statement of what happens because when Jesus dies on the cross and I accept that, all of my sins are forgiven. It's more of a practical thing of every time I come to God and I'm honest with him, I feel clean on the inside. It's an amazing thing. He cleans me on the inside every time I confess. And really what Jesus would say is, you know what, come, be honest with God. He sees. Just come clean. Come clean with him. Tell him, hey, I wrestle with lust. I wrestle with greed. You know, when I reacted to that person, I was so spiteful because they made me so mad. And God just says, be real. Be real with me. Don't try to conceal from me. The lesson of the cup is that God sees everything in your cup. Just be honest with him. Because he's safe. You can be honest. He's not going to turn it on you. He's not going to waste you because you're honest with him. Be honest with him. And it allows you to be fearless with other people. All of a sudden you're like, hey, if God knows, if he didn't wipe me out, why do I have to fear other people? Why does their opinion of me matter so much? I don't have to have a script on the outside that I'm just trying to you know, convince everyone of. I can be real. So take the top off of your cup. You can trust God. And so let me just wrap up. I want to say, all right, so what are we going to do with this? You guys all have your little cups here. You've got your script on the outside. You've got what's true, at least to a degree, on the inside. How do you make sure that gap doesn't get any bigger? And I think there's two things. I think there's two things that fall out of this. Uh, The first thing is you need to change your audience, right? Your audience is God. Your audience is not other people. You can think this week as you're operating and you're at work and all of a sudden you feel like you've got to kind of convince someone, image management, you've got to pretend to be someone that you're not. Remind yourself, hey, it's not about convincing them. They're not really my audience. My audience is God. And God already saw the inside. I don't have to pretend to be something that I'm not. I can be myself. I'll be who I really am. I don't have to sort of have this huge gap out there. Make sure of that. One of the things that is so cool, when God is your audience, you can be transparent. And this is what I want you to write on the outside. Next to your script, just write transparent. There is nothing wrong with this script of being loving and good and reading your Bible and praying and giving money and serving. All of those are good things. But be honest with people. Don't pretend to be something that you're not. You don't have to pretend you're better than you are. You don't need to hide everything that you don't quite match up to. Being transparent is going to take pressure off of the gap widening just by being honest. And let me just share this with it. One of the ways that you do this, and this is the part that I've not done, so I'll just be honest yet is to allow some people to look inside your cup. Okay. Now, listen, I'm not saying you should allow everyone to look at everything in your cup. Okay? Because people, most people don't want to look in your cup. Okay? Just to be totally honest. You know, it's like, here, take a look at that. Whoa, whoa, is that bad? Yeah, you don't need to do that. But there should be some things in your cup that you pretty much let everybody see. You're not a perfect person. 
You can be transparent. And there should be a couple of people in your life that see everything. Because that helps you not make that gap bigger. It keeps it out of being secret. Secrets always grow like yeast. And I question, do you have somebody like that in your life? Do you have a couple of people in your life that you'd say pretty much they know all my cup stuff? They know all the worst of who I am. And they love me anyway, which you'd be surprised. People will still love you when they see the inside of your cup. Have you done that? If you've not done that, that's a challenge. And it's a challenge for me. We've moved here. I don't have those relationships yet. I need to get those relationships. I need to get a couple of guys in my life that know the inside of my cup. But here's the greatest thing. On the inside, write transformed. Because here's the truth. You're being transformed on the inside. God is actually changing who you are. And that also lessens the gap. You know what? You are not who you used to be, right? That's the good news. You're not who you used to be. But you're not yet who you're going to be. You're in a transition right now. You're in between. You're right in between those two things. The day will come when you're perfect. But right now you're in a transition. Uh, There is a place here in Newport, the Back Bay. All of you know it. It's an estuary, which all of you probably know. And the estuary is a mixture of salt and fresh water. It's one of the only ones in California where there's a mixture of things. There's salt water and fresh water. It's a transition zone. It's not all fresh. It's not all salt. It's a transition. And what scientists tell us is that there's all kinds of things that live there because it is a transition spot. And, you know, you're looking at the bobcats and going, who put that there? But anyway, I'm just telling you, that was one of the pictures that came up when I put in Back Bay. There's all kinds of plants and there's all kinds of animals that are unique to that area. And what scientists tell us is one of the most beautiful spots in all of California because it's a transition spot. And you know what you are? You're a transition You're not what you were, and you're not what you will be. And God says, and that's so beautiful to me. It is so beautiful that you're someone in process. So don't be hypocritical and act like you're not in process. Don't act like you've got it all together. That's not beautiful. Don't stay stagnant on the inside so nothing ever changes on the inside. That's not beautiful. What's beautiful is when you realize, you know what, I'm not what I used to be but I'm becoming what God wants me to be. And I'm in transition, not perfect yet. And I can be honest about that. I can let people see that. That doesn't have to be a big cover-up. And when I think of Huntington Beach, and when Lo and I dream about Huntington Beach in our church, I want us to be the back bay. I want us to be the place where we are honest enough to say, I'm not yet what I will be. But thank you, Jesus, that I'm not what I used to be. I'm in transition now. And what an awesome, beautiful church we are when we become a group of people like that. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Mariner's Church in Huntington Beach. For more information about Mariner's, visit www.marinerschurch.org.